First Kings chapter 18 and verse 44. And it came to pass at the seventh time that he said, Behold, there ariseth a little cloud out of the sea, like a man's hand. And he said, Go up, say unto Ahab, Prepare thy chariot and get thee down, that the rain stop thee not. Someone just say, Just one small cloud. As I was studying those storm chasers and looking up their stories, I found that people were even willing to, we knew they were willing to risk their lives, but there were individuals that even lost their lives. There was a man by the name of Tim Samaras in May of 2013 chasing a storm and lost his life. You know, there's, there's something to be said that many of us, and I, and I regret, it's a terrible loss and a tragedy for a family, but there's some of us, in order for us to receive what God has, we have to lose ourselves. We have to be willing to abandon everything that we were or are so that we can experience what God has in store for us. I, I'm hungry just to be in that atmosphere. I, I, I'm hungry for that environment just to envelop us and begin to move amongst us. And, and I wonder if you would just pray for one more moment this morning. Would you lift both hands and just ask God for His presence to move and that we would see not with natural eyes, but that we would see with supernatural eyes what the Spirit of the Lord is doing around us and amongst us and in us there's come on there's power and authority that wants to move in this room anybody just parched a little bit I don't mean come on there's a hunger in the supernatural there's a thirsting that God said he would fill that he would supply he's not going to leave you thirsty if you came thirsty for him he won't leave you thirsty this morning Jesus name just one small cloud you may be seated this morning <clears throat> the Word of God is not just paper and ink it's a system a message that God has masterfully engineered not just not just 66 books penned by 40 authors over thousands of years but it's an integrated whole that evidences supernatural engineering in every single detail an example of this can be found in genesis chapter 5 where we have the genealogy of adam all the way through to noah and if we did a little study this morning of some hebrew names from the beginning of the book we'd find an interesting truth the bible is quick it's powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. Anybody know that? It's a gold mine to be explored. It's inexhaustible. It's unfathomable. And it's incomparable. We're talking about the Word of God this morning. And in our Bible, we read the Hebrew names. And, and, and as we go through that, Genesis chapter 5, you begin to see these names. And they're not really any names that many of, some of them aren't names that we give to our kids. I, I, I heard the name Adam. We all know Adam. But if we look at the original language in the Hebrew, what these names mean, you'll find there's an interesting correlation. There's a, a message that God gives us. Adam. Adam's name means man. He's the first man. So that seems straightforward enough. Seth, his name. Seth was the main, and his name means appointed. Eve said, for God hath appointed me another seed instead of Abel, whom Cain slew. Enosh, Seth's son, was called Enosh, which means mortal or frail or miserable. It is from the root word anash, which means to be incurable. Used, uh, that word is used of a wound, an incurable wound. Or grief, incurable grief, incurable 
sickness or wickedness. It was in the days of Enosh that men began to defile the name of the Lord. It was Enosh's son named Kenan, which, mean, which means sorrow or wandering nomad. And all these words begin to, uh, do, before you just kind of check out and think Pastor Jack's lost his, his mind on Hebrew this morning. Just hang tight with me for a moment. Kenan's son's name was Mahalalel. His name means blessed of God. Mahalalel's son, his name was Jared, which means shall come down. So if, uh, if you just kind of begin to look through the word, it begins to create a little message, and we'll go through it in a minute. Hang, hang with me. Jared's son's name was Enoch. Enoch, which means teaching. He was the first of four generations of preachers. How many thank God for preachers? In fact, the earliest recorded prophecy is by Enoch, and which, amazingly enough, is dealt with, it deals with the second coming of Christ. It's quoted in the book of Jude, in the New Testament, Jude 1.14. It said, Enoch also, with the seventh from Adam, prophesied of thee, saying, Behold, the Lord cometh with thousands of his saints. Aren't you grateful that from the beginning of the word of God being preached, there was a message of hope. There was a message of reconciliation. There was a message about a second coming of Christ, that God didn't just leave us here and abandon us, but God has a plan to be reunited with his people. He is coming again. I'm thanking God that from the beginning of the word being preached, it comes along with promise. It comes with promise. Enoch was the father of a man by the name of Methuselah, who, uh, if, you, if you know, in the word of God, it says that Enoch walked with God and he begat Methuselah. Methuselah's son, his name was named, his son was named Lamech, which means despairing. This same root also seems to lie behind our English word of lamentation. The similar root can mean strength, and this name is linked through traditional Jewish sources to the Lamech in Canaan's line who inadvertently killed his son Tubal Cain in a hunting accident. All those things working together, but that name Lamech and then Noah. Lamech, of course, is the father of Noah, which is linked to bring relief or comfort. That's highlighted all the way through Genesis. And you say, well, what does all that mean? I'm telling you that, that if you just kind of look at, at the word of God in, in a moment, we'll just get to the slide. And then we'll find that Adam, man, was appointed mortal sorrow. But the blessed God shall come down, teaching his death shall bring the despairing comfort. You see how God just kind of works his way through all of that, that, that man is appointed unto mortal sorrow. Adam failed in the garden. We knew that, that sin came and it appointed him unto mortal sorrow. But God, Mahalalel means the blessed God, shall come down, teaching his death shall bring the despairing comfort. And, and if you just kind of looked at that, you'd think, well, how would death bring despairing comfort? The, the despairing comfort. Well, we know because we look at, at history with 2020, we look backwards and we know that that death on the cross brings the despairing individual comfort today. We know that that's God's promise. We know that that's God's word. And, and tucked away in God's word from the very beginning is a hope that humanity doesn't have to do this by themselves. We don't have to live this all alone, but God is fighting for us. God is on our side today. God didn't leave us alone. God has come to be with us he come on he shall bring the despairing comfort I I felt that comfort in the room today I, I know enough about some people's circumstances and I know enough about some people's situations that we need the help of God this morning we need God to move in this room and 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 it may not come in a great big thunderous storm at first I, I, I've just got my eyes on the supernatural sky this morning for a cloud the size of a man's hand today 
And I feel like God gave us a word that is going to come. If you'll step back to that name, Methuselah, it said that at his death, it shall come. At his death, it shall come. There was this word that God had given to, to Israel that, that something was going to happen with Methuselah. Now, we, we understand, we know that at the end of Methuselah's life, the flood came. We know that Noah built an ark. We know that God intentioned it all, but God gave a message to humanity. He said, at his death, it shall come. Get ready. Be prepared. Be prepared for the storm that's going to come on the horizon. Be prepared for something that you've never seen before. Now, remind, let me remind you, rain had never fallen before that. It was, it was an, a concept that, that couldn't even be understood, but they just had to believe that, that there was something that was going to happen at the end, at his end, it shall come. When Methuselah dies, something's going to occur. There's, there's going to be a shift. God is going to make an adjustment, a change in the supernatural. It's going to happen at his death. It shall come. And I'm sure that it adjusted the way that people lived. It adjusted the way that people talked. I'm, I'm sure for Noah, it, it adjusted the way that he, that he went about his business. I, I wonder sometimes why when Noah did all of the preaching and when Noah did all of the teaching that he did, he still, he, he may not have had any converts. He had his children, he had his, his sons and their wives and they were the only ones that were going to get on this great big huge ark. And I wonder to myself, Noah, well maybe sometimes I've even identified with them. You do the best you can, and then you're waiting for the altar call. You got your eyes closed because you don't want to see how people are going to respond. And at the end, I got Kathy with me. Got a couple hanging on. And the rest are heading for the diplomat buffet. I know how that feels. I know how that feels sometimes. But I... I, I think that we all could say that we gotta, we got to admire Noah. There's something that Noah had in his spirit that he just didn't give up. I, I can't imagine just every day cutting logs and sawing trees down and just kind of put, putting all that together and putting pitch in between and just believing that God, what God had said was going to happen. And, and you don't want to know what the identifier for, for Noah was? What, what, the, what the true tale was is he had his eye on Methuselah because the Bible had said, the word of God said that at, the, at his end, it shall come. So Noah was working with one hand, but he had his eye on Methuselah with his, with his other eyes. He, he's keeping an eye on what's going on in, in the natural, and he's doing this work in the natural, but he's got his ear tuned to the supernatural because when Methuselah passes, it's going to come. I, I don't even know what it's going to look like. I, I don't even understand how it's going to occur. I, I don't understand. It had never happened before, but here's what... Here's what no one knew. If he did the work, if he did the preaching, that at the end there would be salvation for humanity. There would be a hope for humanity that would rise in the midst of a flood that God said was going to come. And I'd like to declare the same thing this morning. We are looking toward the end times and the Bible said, at the end it shall come. As it was in the days of Noah, it's going to be like those days. We, we got to stir ourselves up a little bit this morning. We got to shake ourselves out of apathy and we, we got to shake ourselves from, from a comfortable place. And I, I, I'm thankful that the heat's on today. We had a couple Sundays where it was way too cool in here. But I don't want it to get so comfortable that, that we just kind of go through the motions and by the time service is done, we head out unchanged. I, I want us to be reminded that at the end, it shall come. There is a judgment day coming. There is an end that's going to come. He is going to come with 10,000 of his
saints for his church. He is going to return. God is coming back someday. So get ready, church. At the end, it shall come. But we have this promise that there is a storm on the horizon, that the rain is going to fall like it has never fallen before. There is a storm coming at the end. I'm talking about a ladder and a form of rain that's going to accumulate together. There is a storm on the horizon. Pray for rain in the time of rain. Pastor challenged us on Wednesday night, and I'd like to issue that challenge one more time this morning. Pray for rain in the time of rain. Is anybody looking for a cloud the size of a man's hand? Eight souls were saved by water is what Peter said. It was eight souls that kept Noah going. Come on, Ham. Get out of bed, Shem. Japheth, get the hammer and let's go. We've got an ark to build. He's preaching and he's building. Why? Because at the end, it shall come. There is a revival on the horizon. It is coming. So I'd encourage CCC, tap your neighbor this morning, say get your hammer and get ready. Here's a storm coming. The rain is going to fall. Come on, tap the other neighbor on the other side. Say, get your saw. We got to get this thing built. We got to get, we got to make sure this ark is ship shape. We got to make sure that this ark is prepared for the storm that's going to come. I, I'm not a doomsdayer today. I'm not talking about that. I, I am talking about a revival that God wants to bring this church. It's going to come in this. Come on, it's just going to begin. It's going to be a cloud the size of a man's hand. It's just one small cloud on the horizon, but it's going to come into view and it's going to transform everything around us is going to rain I'm excited I, I, I heard about our usher good usher brother Brent Cole met me at the door he said did you hear about winter fire last night this weekend I said I, I heard I said I, how many got the Holy Ghost he said I I heard 115 received the baptism of the Holy Ghost that, yeah come on that I'll tell you what that does for me. That fires me up because it tells me that there's a storm on the horizon. At the end, it shall come. There's a revival fire that's been brewing. There's a, there's a storm that's just kind of beyond sight out of our vision right now. It's, it's there in the supernatural. We believe it's going to happen because we trust that God is true to his word. i just like to remind us that at the end, it shall come. There's a revival in the end days. There's a revival in the last times, and we're doing all that we can. We're preparing in every avenue that we can but we know at the end it shall come in the last days saith God I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh come on it's a multi-generational promise it's a come on it's a multi-cultural promise it's an outpouring that's going to eclipse anything we've ever had before and I'm just believing this morning at the end it shall come it shall come I wish we just praise God for a promise this morning. I wish, come on, I'm believing God for Oromocto. It's just an extension of CCC today. Why? Because we believe there's a revival that's going to come. There's a cloud the size of a man's hand. But Fredericton, this building can't contain it all. Come on, I'll encourage you this morning. Why don't we clap hands to the Lord? Why don't we lift our voice just for a moment? Why don't we just shout for a minute? At the end, it shall come. We know the rain is coming. But what do you do until the rain comes? 
Our introduction to Elijah isn't very promising. He marches into the court of Ahab in 1 Kings chapter 17. Said he was from Gilead. And he said unto Ahab, as the Lord God of Israel liveth before whom I stand, there shall be not dew nor rain these years, but according to my word. And he wheels on his heels and heads out. God said, get thee hence, turn eastward and hide thyself by the brook Cherith that is before Jordan. Cherith means to cut. And I don't mean just a, an unintentional cut or an accident. It means a cutting that establishes covenant. Not an accidental thing, but an intentional thing. And God brings Elijah. That, that's our introduction to him. He just sends him into Ahab. The king tells him, there's not going to be any rain. And turns around and walks out and heads. And God takes him to Cherith. And God told him, you know what? You want to know what we do until the rain comes? You enter into covenant with God. That's what you do until the rain comes. Here, we have a benchmark in 1 Kings 17 and 18 of, of what to do while we're waiting for the rain. We, we've got this scriptural admonition and we've got this example by the, a man by the name of Elijah of what to do until the rain comes. I, I, I'm waiting for the rain, but I'm going to do everything I can until it comes. I'm still waiting for just one small cloud. He enters into that covenant relationship with God. God said, I've commanded the ravens to feed thee there. Let me tell you, when you enter into covenant with God, you will experience God's power and God's provision. While you're waiting for the rain, watch and see what God does for you. Watch and see how God works with you. You've got to enter into covenant. You've got to separate yourself. You've got to find a place of dedication and separation. You've got to find that place where you give up some part of yourself to God. You lay it out on an altar. You, you just give it to God. That's what repentance is all about. If you're, if you're new with us this morning, and we're so, I, I echo Pastor Matt, we're so privileged to have you with us. Could we clap hands for our guests one more time? We're so grateful that you all are here this morning. But God's call into covenant involves us turning from our own selfish way. It, it requires us to enter into that agreement, an everlasting, eternal agreement with him, where we leave our own purposes behind so we can, come on, so we can follow him. That's what repentance is. It's a turning. Covenant. If you walk, we don't have time this morning to go through the whole Old and New Testament. But the picture in the Old brings us to the New Testament. That repentance is a dying to ourself. It's a death to who we are. But repentance brings us to baptism. Right behind this screen, there's a baptismal tank. That's waters of baptism. We are buried with him in baptism. That we die to ourselves. We enter into that covenant with God. And then God fills us with his spirit, evidenced by, this, by, by speaking in other tongues, a language that we didn't even learn. It's a powerful moment. It's an unforgettable time in your life. God brings you into covenant with him. That's covenant. If you, if you enter into covenant with God, then you'll begin to experience God's power and God's provision at every step of the way. Every part, every, every, come on, every time that you move closer to God, God moves closer to you. You may not see it yet, but that storm cloud on the horizon gets a little bit closer to your life. You, come on, we're still waiting for the rain to come, but what are we going to do? We're going to enter into covenant relationship with God. We're going to separate ourselves at Cherith. We're going to enter into establishing that eternal agreement with him. God, this is my life. It's yours, not just for here and now, but for there and then for eternity. I'm entering into covenant with you. 
Cherith, that's where it happens. But God begins to prove to Elijah who he is. Ravens bring him bread and flesh in the morning and bread and flesh in the evening. And he drinks from the brook. And after a while, that brook dries up. Anyone ever been there? Why? Because there had been no rain in the land. Elijah, you said it. Now you're living under your own prophetic prediction. So what else do you do until the rain comes? You experience trouble and trial. Welcome to the real world. Well, I thought that when I got saved, I wouldn't experience any challenge. Wrong. But I'll tell you, every day on this side of salvation is infinitely better than any day on that side of salvation. Any day on this side of being saved is better than your best day on that side of being saved. It's just better. You got to hope. I'll tell you, we'll read through the rest of this story, but Elijah, he doesn't quit in that moment when the brook dries up. Can I encourage somebody? Don't quit. You're walking in this relationship with God and your brook dried up. It seems like God's forgotten you. Uh Uh-uh. There's still a cloud on the horizon. Keep on walking. Get your ear listening to what God is speaking. He'll give you direction. He'll give you hope. He'll, He'll point you in the right direction today you're going to experience trouble and trial now what Elijah Elijah says get up and and get to Zarephath and there belongeth to Zion and dwell there behold I what does he say he's commanded a widow to provide for him there we won't go through the entire chapter if you got it if you want to open a first seven first Kings 17 you can read along with me but it's there that Elijah is sent by God why first God commands the ravens to provide and now he's commanding a widow to provide I, I She didn't have a whole lot. And and I think that Elijah had to spend some time at the brook in Cherith so that he would have the courage to ask the widow at Zarephath for what she had. It would have been difficult for him just to say, uh, you know, well, he did. Let me just read it. He says that he, he meets her and he calls her and he says, fetch me, I pray thee, a little water and a vessel that I may drink. And as she's going to fetch it, he calls and he says, bring me a little morsel of bread in your hand. And she said, as the Lord lives, I have not a cake. I don't even have a cake. I got a handful of meal in a barrel, a little oil in a cruise. I'm gathering two sticks that I can go in and dress it for me and my son that we may eat it and die. But Elijah moves forward because he knows God has already said. Now, God's already proved himself at Cherith that he's going to provide. God's already proved it that the brook, come on, God's going to make provision. And God moves him from that location to this location. Why? Not just so Elijah can be saved, but so that the widow can be saved. So that her son can be saved. So God can, can use her to, come on, to press promise into the prophet. That's what God wants to do. And Elijah enters into that place of sacrifice and faith. Elijah said, fear not, go and do as thou hast, but make me thereof a little cake first and bring it unto me and after make for thee and for thy son. You say, that sounds so arrogant. No, Elijah just knew. That's what God said. We're going to trust God. Just come on. If you'll make the sacrifice, if you'll make the commitment, then God's going to make the provision. If you lay it all, come on, give to God first. that's, That's one of the tests that God gives us in our own personal finances. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be meat in my house and prove me now herewith. That's what God said. It's, it's, it's the first fruits that God said should be brought. Why? Because if we bring the first fruits, then he can bless the rest of the fruit. 
what's left gets blessed. It's, it's just the way that God works. And when she was willing to bring him a cake first, all of a sudden, the barrel of meal did not waste and the cruise of oil did not fail. It just kept pouring. She kept scraping the bottle of, bottom of the barrel. I don't know if any of you guys are like me or not. I hate throwing away food. Have this conversation a couple times. I'm like, oh, brand new bag of salad going in the trash. I don't buy groceries. I, it's a painful process for me. Not spending the money, just the time. Kathy loves it. That's like, that's an experience. I told her, I said, you know, there's, you can do this all online now. Oh, no. I like to touch it with my hands, she said. I like to feel the weight of it. I like to see the glistening of the apple. So I'll get the peanut butter jar out, and everybody says it's done. I get, I get the, you know, I get the, what do you call it, the silicone thing? Spatula? Say, oh, no, no, it's not done. No. I, re- I just struck a chord. <laughs> Peanut butter is just slightly less expensive than gold right now. So every gram that we can get out. So look, there's enough there for two smoothies and a piece of toast. Come on. Peanut butter jar is all lopsided. Doesn't want to stand up. It's all stuck in one side. Anyhow. But that's the way it was for her. She got her little, her little spatula out. And every time that she dug into the barrel and began to remove the barrel of meal, it still showed up. It just kept coming. She just kept making cakes and kept pouring the oil. And the oil kept on coming. Why? Because if we put God first, you enter into that place of sacrifice and faith when you're waiting for the, the cloud to come. When you're waiting for the storm to show up. Let me tell you, if, you just, if you're just willing to give, you'll enter into that place of supernatural provision that you can't explain you you can't explain why when you just keep reaching in the the oil still keeps coming and the meal still keeps showing up and the little cake still keeps getting cooked in the in the little fire I'll tell you God can do that God can do that while you're waiting for the storm and Elijah he's still riding out this difficult season and, and all of Israel is in this place of famine but there's a storm on the horizon at the end it shall come We sang about it this morning. You're the God of miracles. It wasn't just the provision of meal that she experienced. It was her child when he was ill and sick unto death that, that, you know, she was, he was brought to the prophet and the prophet said, I'll tell you what, your son's going to live. And she enters into that place of supernatural power. And she realizes that Elijah is more than just a man. It isn't just some, some experience that she's in. She, in verse 24, she said, the woman said to Elijah, now by this, what? Her son being healed from death. She said this, I know that thou art a man of God and that the word of the Lord is in, thy, in, in the mouth. It's truth. That God was there with him this entire time. I, I want to remind someone that while we're waiting for the rain, the revival to come, that supernatural occurrences are still in order. The miraculous is still waiting to be, is still waiting to occur. 
It's still waiting to happen. God's still waiting for someone to reach out by faith and say, I don't know how you're going to do this, but Lord, would you minister with your almighty hand? God, would you move the way that only you could move? Would you perform miracles in this room? I, we sang about it, but I, I don't want to be in danger of singing about it and not willing to experience it, not willing to pray for it, not willing to ask God, God, would you minister to this impossible need? We don't have anywhere else to turn, but our eyes are on you. Heather, I see you back there with your hand raised because God performed a miracle. The doctors can't explain it. They said, well, this is a unique situation. We don't know how to define this. We, we have it here, but we don't have it here. Can I just remind somebody that he's still the God of miracles and we're still waiting for an end time outpouring. God still, come on, I'm believing that God is going to do it, but he's still performing miracles along the way. I, I just got to pause for a minute. I don't want to be in danger of being unthankful. We got to thank God for what he did for that lady right back there. We got to thank God that her life's changed because God stepped in. We got to thank God because he's still the God of miracles. And Crystal, we're believing God for the impossible. We're believing, as a matter of fact, I, I wish you'd just lift your hands for a minute. Let's take a few minutes and pray. It's 10 after 12, but right now is the right time for the miracle. Because God said, God said, while you're waiting, the miraculous can occur. In Jesus' name. God he's a God of miracles I'm wondering anybody else in the room got a need that you can't you don't have an answer for we'll anoint you with oil right now why because God still performing miracles along the way he's a miracle working God while the storm is coming when the storm's on the horizon it's just a little cloud well it's just a little cloud but it's coming anybody need a miracle this morning he's a God of miracles <laughs> come on pastor challenge us on Wednesday night pray for rain in the time of rain I've come to make a declaration it's a time of rain we may as well pray for it we may as well ask for it even if we don't see it yet I'm trusting God that the rain is going to come you can go back to the music we'll finish this some other time the end of chapter 17 that's all right Come on, Brother Phillips feels it. Why? Because he's been praying for rain. He's been praying that God will pour his spirit out, he and his wife, every single day. Oh, God, send revival to CCC. Send revival to our city. So when we get a little tremor, when we get a little thunder in the distance, when we get a little word from God confirming what's already been prayed, there's something that resonates in the supernatural. There's that, come on, there's that sense of the Holy Ghost getting ready. It's getting ready. At the end, it shall come. You may as well prepare for it. Get ready to build an ark. God's going descend the rain hallelujah 
come on we've got mirac nobody wants to be a miracle territory but that's the only place we can experience the miraculous nobody likes stepping out in that unknown place in that place where we don't know where the verdict is or how this is going to end nobody likes being in that location nobody likes being in a place of pain and disappointment nobody likes being there when the brook dries up but i want to remind somebody today there's still a storm coming there's a there's a cloud the size of a man's hand i, I don't have time i you guys will check out by the time i get to where we want to go this morning but let me quickly go through it i won't preach it i'll just treat it When you're in that place of waiting for the storm to come, God's going to call you. He said, go to Ahab and I will send rain upon the earth. We've gone through an entire chapter of God trying the prophet. And now God's about to prove him. He goes into Ahab. When he's going to Ahab, let me tell you what else you're going to realize. You're going to realize you're not alone. You're not in this all by yourself. Elijah meets Obadiah. And Obadiah says, you know what? I've hid the prophets of God. I got 50 that I've kept in caves. Brought them bread and water. You're not in this by yourself. Somebody somewhere is working right alongside. Right now. God's not left you alone. As a matter of fact, if you came in this room this morning and it's your first time, you just found a whole group of people that want the same thing that you want in your life. You didn't show up because you didn't want something from God. You showed up because you knew you needed something from God. And there's a, there's a word from God for somebody today. You're not alone. Obadiah meets him. I won't take time to go through all of that. You're not alone. There's prophets that have been saved God's got an end time revival China is brewing I know that there's coronavirus that's spreading like wildfire but let me tell you what else is spreading like wildfire the Holy Ghost and fire in that underground church is moving and come on God knows exactly what he's doing if he needed to divert the enemy's attention if he needed to divert come on the government's attention away from the church at this moment they've been they've been pushing down I don't get me wrong I'm not thinking that anybody should ever experience hardship for the sake of the church that's not what I'm saying I am saying that God has a revival and he He's going to do whatever it takes to ensure that revival occurs. And so China is going to erupt with revival, whether the government tries to put their thumb on it or not. It's going to erupt. There is a people of God's name in that great continent. While you're waiting for rain, 18 verse 31, Elijah entered a place of sacrifice he rebuilt the altar of the Lord that had been broken down while you're waiting for rain rebuild your altar come on rebuild your altar find a place of prayer find a place of prayer in your home find a place of prayer at this church rebuild the altar in your life prayer will bring the rain and God brings Elijah into a place of public demonstration God will build you privately before he uses you publicly. And you'll enter a brand new dimension of prayer. If you're hungry for this. Pray for rain in the time of rain.
It's that Mount Carmel demonstration where God answers by fire and the, the sacrifice is consumed. Wood, stones, dust lick the water up that was in the trench. It says when, when the people saw it, they fell on their faces and said, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. And Elijah said to Ahab, get thee up, eat and drink, for there is the sound of abundance of rain. I've heard it preached about since I was just a kid. The latter and the former rain together. We sang songs. I hear the sound of abundance of rain. Don't play it, Kathy, for heaven's sakes, don't play it. God's going to pour out His Spirit once again. Like the days of old, revival's coming again. Come on, I didn't even know what the words meant. I sang it. Didn't even understand it. Too young to know. Kevin, you know what I'm talking about. The rain is going to come. And while everybody else was still celebrating the minor victory on Mount Carmel, Elijah's getting ready to celebrate a victory that's going to impact an entire nation. Come on, Carmel was just the epicenter. Carmel was just the beginning. Carmel was just the start. That wasn't the end. These victories that God gives us along the way, they're just to keep us going. They're just to remind us, I'm in control. There's a storm. On the, at the end, it shall come. Come on. At this end time, in this end time season, in these end time days, God has an end time revival for his church. At the end, it shall come. So get your eye on the horizon because God's about to do something that we've never experienced or seen before. We've been in a season of famine. We've been in a season of drought. We've been in a spiritual season in the world around us. I'm not talking necessarily about the church. The church has been faithful, but God's going to use the church as the vehicle to bring a great end time revival. So that's why we're praying for rain. Just one small cloud. It's in this place that Elijah sends his servant. First he goes up to the top of Mount Carmel and he casts himself down on the earth and he puts his face between his knees and he begins to pray. He said to his servant, go up now and look toward the sea. And he went up and he looked and he said, there's nothing. Someone this morning said, well, this is nothing. I'm going to tell you, go again seven times. That's what the word said. Go again seven times. So seven times plus one. Seven, the number of perfection. God used that servant to go. It says that he went seven more times. Count it out with me. One, two, three. He's still going. Four, five. He's still walking. Come back. There is nothing. Every time. Six. Come on. On the seventh time. On the seventh time, he comes back. He hasn't got a lot to report. He hasn't got a lot to say. He hasn't got a lot of hope for the prophet. But the prophet doesn't need much. He just needs to know that there's something beginning to brew on the earth. It's just a cloud the size of a man's. It's just one cloud. There's not a whole lot. As a matter of fact, when he comes back, 
He said, Behold, there ariseth a little cloud out of the sea, like a man's hand. And he said, Go up, say unto Ahab, Prepare thy chariot and get thee down, that the rain stop thee not. Get ready, because the storm is going to come. There's a little cloud on the horizon, CCC. It's there. I don't know if you can see it or not, but it's there. The heaven will be black with clouds and wind, and there will be a great rain. I love it in verse 46. The hand of the Lord was on Elijah, and he girded up his loins and ran before Ahab and the, to the entrance of Jezreel. Why? The promise was there. John, thank you for standing. I wonder if anybody else would join him. I'm finished. Chanel, thanks for standing. We're hungry for it. Sister Wilbur, thank you. Anybody else just looking for it? You got your eyes peeled for eastern skies. Come on, we're looking for it. We're looking for the promise of God. We're looking for revival. We're praying for rain in the time of rain. We're praying, God, pour your spirit out. I, I don't know if there's anybody this morning and you never received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, but here's what I know. God's prepared to give it to somebody today if you're hungry for it. It doesn't just have to happen at Winterfire. It doesn't just have to happen in that location one time. It can happen in every location all the time. It's just, it's just a little significant sign. There's a cloud the size of a man's hand. God's about to do something miraculous in this room this morning. Would you wait on God for a moment? Come on, personal prayers. That's powerful. God's preparing you right now. If you have the gift of the Holy Ghost, would you pray in that prayer language for a moment? Come on, lift your voice, lift your voice. Come on, re release whatever is in there, that hunger. Would you let it out? Come on, we just pick up where we left off on Wednesday night. Come on, lift, lift your voice. We're not back in the building today, but I, I wonder if we would just take this time, let's separate ourselves and the God for a moment. But if you're feeling that call, if you're looking, diligently looking, I wonder if you would leave your pew and, and make your way to this altar this morning because that's a part of this process. that's it that's it I hear it I hear it I Elijah heard it before he saw it I hear it I hear it in the prayer being offered I hear it. I, I was listening for it come on I hear it in the hunger of a voice 
I hear it in someone so frustrated with their situation in life right now. I hear it. I, I hear it. You're waiting for the rain, but before you see the cloud, you're going to hear an abundance of rain. You're going to hear that noise. He that hath an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. If, you're, if you'll incline your ear, if you'll stop, if you'll silence the voices of negativity, if you'll silence the voice of doubt, if you'll silence the voice of the enemy, you'll hear there's an abundance of rain. There's a sound of it. Come on, join your voice with it. It, it. It's abundance of rain. It's not just quiet. It's a desperate call. It's, a, it's an insistent call. It's a, it's a persistent call. Come on, let your voice out. If you're hunger, if you're thirst for it. Hallelujah. It's not time to sing yet. Thank you, the worship. The music is great, but I wonder if from the front to the back, from the drum booth to the sound booth, if we lift our voice and just begin to cry out to God for a moment. That's it, that's it. It's come on, it's brewing. It's just like a storm. It it starts. The thunder and the lightning get closer together. The It's getting closer. There's a sound of an abundance of rain. If you look, if you pray, come on. If you look, there, there's a cloud the size of a man's hand. Lord, we want you, though I 